Thank you for downloading this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We pray that you receive encouragement from the study of God's Holy Word and that you will grow in the faith and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to get to the message. And I want to tell you, and I used to, you know, my dad is, I've asked my dad this, when I, this question when I was a kid. You know, Dad, how do you pick messages? How do you know what to preach on? Well, he would go through a list. And I'll tell you now from my own experience that I believe preachers pick, quest, pick sermon topics or pick questions to study for sermons based on a couple things. One, maybe it's a doctrinal issue that's coming up and the, and the congregation needs to be addressed. Or two, it's a vision thing. You know, how do we connect the, the congregation to the vision that the Lord is doing in the house? Or three, uh, maybe there's just a, a, something that's on the heart that needs to be shared. Or four, maybe, maybe the preacher themselves is going through something and they want to preach on what they're going through. And that's this morning. I want to preach on something that I have gone through. And it's not that old. It's a, the issue, it's, it's not quite as relevant for me today as it was. But it was something that I really labored through a couple years ago. And I, I have actually talked about this a little bit with some of the leaders here in our congregation. But this was a very real issue for me. A very real issue for me. How do I know? Well, let me say it like this. I used to work in a, in a professional world, and I left that just over two years ago to come work here full time. How do I know that I'm successful? How do I know that I'm successful? What is doing a good job? What do I do? See, this is a good question, right? How do I know? Don't you think that's a good question? So I left work on a Thursday, my old job on a Thursday. My last day was a Thursday. And Friday, I remember coming in here and I sat down at my desk. And I've got to tell you, I think I've had a very unique professional background. I've changed not just jobs, but careers a number of times. Career changes. I have gone from career A to career B, kind of like being, let's see, a, like a doctor, and then uh, I worked in a warehouse, and then I worked you know, as a teacher. I mean, radical career changes. And uh, each time I'd make a career change, my learning curve is, was always a little different. So years ago, I used to be uh, a parochial school principal. And I've worked in a factory for a number of years, actually. I've worked in multiple factories. So that just that's a career change, right? Going from one to the other. And, another, and then I, later I took a job at Northwestern Mutual. I became an underwriter. And then I led some operations groups. But then in the company, I made a radical change from that job, from leading operations groups. I went to a whole different field called organizational design. How many of you know what organizational design is? Excellent. This is by far and away a majority. Uh, uh, well, uh, let's say a large number compared to other groups. I asked this question at Beth Messiah yesterday. I got three hands. That was pretty consistent. <laughs> Organizational design is a career that most people don't know it exists, but they know the effects of it. When, uh, when America went into Iraq, for example, after, after the Gulf War, we, as a country, brought in a bunch of organizational designers to help them reset their government. So they just didn't mimic a government. There's a lot of little work that comes from that. So organizational design is it's done through employees. That's what I did. Now, that is a big change from what I used to do to, to that job. That is a big, big change. And I remember not knowing anything. And I had to learn. It was a big shift. Are you with me? Did you ever make a career change? It's a big shift. I remember my first day as a parochial school principal. I had left a factory setting, and I walked in, and it was a Monday, the day after school let out, and I went to my new office, and I sat down at the desk, 
And I went, what do you do? What do you do? You and I just had the same training session. What do you do? Then when I went to the organizational design job, it was the same thing. And my boss, I applied for this job, and she said, well, I'm going to have you focus on talent. Okay, I didn't know what that was. I did that for four months, and she said, now I want you to create a new team that doesn't exist. And I said, why do you think I can do it? And she, well, I just think you can. I don't even know how I got to where I got. And then she, they just kept changing my job. So when I came here on that Friday, my last day at the company was Thursday. I started here on a Friday, and I sat down at my desk, and I said, hey, I'm here. Now what? So I did something that I think was very practical. I asked my dad for some advice. My dad was our senior leader for all those years. And I said, Dad, what should I do? Oh, you're going to be very busy. <laughs> yes, but what should I do? Well, you're going to be busy. Now, I was very blessed because on the, on the first Monday, I was going to my first conference. Right? That's good. This is a good start. Right? My first day, one day here. And then I go to a conference on Monday, and I'm with a whole bunch of other preachers. So at this conference, I'm, going to, I'm on my fact-finding mission. And I think I'm going to ask some of these long-term preachers at the conference what they do. What do you do? And then, you know, what does success look like? So I go to one guy who, a 30-year-plus pastor, and I say, hey, what do you think I should do? How do I spend my time? And he goes, oh, man, yes. Study. Study the word. And I said, well, I've been studying for years. That is that. What, what else do I do? Well, now you're paid to study. What? <laughs> that was no good. So then I find somebody else, another long-term minister. And I go to that guy, and I say, what do you think I should do? You know, I've started this job. What do I do? And he goes, take naps. You always need to be ready to minister to people. So take naps. That is really all he said. So let me see if I can get this straight. I read books and take naps. I should have done this time years ago. <laughs> oh, and my dad, what did he say? Be busy. Be busy? <laughs> I'm kidding you. No, I will tell you there is much more to it than that. Okay? There is. Isn't there, Judy? There is. But it has been a whole journey for me. And how do I know that I've been successful? How do you know in your ministry that you're successful? It doesn't matter what your ministry is. We could be talking about Sunday school or cafe or key results area or music or media or sound or on the streets witnessing. How do you know you're successful? Well, I know a success, in nursery I'm successful if none of the kids cry. I mean, no. How do you know you're successful? Well, I said the message in Sunday school. Yes, you said the message, but how do you know you're successful? And I, I went through some soul searching on this. I really did. And I still work on this. Leo will tell you that I go home and I'm like, man, I don't know if I did that right. I'm still like plowing through. But I have learned something in a verse. Ultra well-known verse. As soon as we look at it, you're going to go, oh, most of you in here will probably hear this verse at least 100 times in your life. But if we look at the verse like we're going to this morning, it's got some real depth to it. Now, I want to tell you, there are times in that when we look and we study the Bible, we, look at, we have to look at the whole of scriptures. We have to look at the whole thing. For example, God loves you. He loves you. 
And we look at that through our little human-sized brain sometimes, and it seems like an easy statement. And reality is, it's very big and very complex. The whole scripture was set on God wanting relationship with man. Man botched it. They had some fruit. He made a new way to have relationship. That got botched. He flooded the earth. He made a new way. That got botched. He went through a people's group. That got botched. He sent Jesus. You with me? Yeah. We, we look at how much he loves us, how much he really loves us. You know, it's really funny. Sometimes, this is a bit of an aside, sometimes when I think how much God loves me, <clears throat> I think, ah, God can't love me. I'm really crabby. You ever thought, like, God can't love you because you're not that good? The whole Bible talks about how much he wants to have a relationship with you. But then there are times we look at the word and we break it down into one itty-bitty section. We look at one little section. So today we're going to focus on one half of one verse. And here's the context. Before we read it, here's the context. It's, it's right after the parable of talents. The master says, hey, servant, I'm giving you five talents. I'm leaving. Do something with these talents. And then he said, another guy, here's three talents. I'm do something with these. And he goes to another guy, here's one talent. And he leaves. And he comes back. And the guy with five talents now is ten. The guy with three talents now is six. The guy with one talent, he did a very bad thing. He hid his talent. And, and he really gets in trouble with the master. But the, the two guys who had five and three, the master is very, very happy with them. Here's the verse. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. A lot of times we, we tag this, you'll, we'll hear this at a funeral. This is said to somebody who's alive. Isn't it? This is said to somebody who's walking the earth here. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, let's look at it. Well done. Also means excellence. Excellence. There's a couple, uh, a couple verses here. <clears throat> Lost my place in my notes. 1 Corinthians 10, uh, what you do, do for the glory of God. Ecclesiastes 9, whatever you do, do it with all your might. If you're going to do something, do it right. Well done. Not lackadaisical. If we're going to do something with God, we should do it. All right, so let's go back to your ministry for a minute. Let's go back to your life. If you're going to do something in your life and you do it half-baked, if I'm going to be a half-baked pastor, how are we going to hear well done? Right? If we're in, we're all in. And by the way, well done, being excellent doesn't mean being the best. It means being our best, your best. If I get up and I'm going to sing a song to, song to the Lord, if I'm going to sing to God, I will tell you I will not have the best voice. Thank you for not saying amen. <laughs> I will not. But if I do it the best that I can, hey, now I'm on to something. Whatever we do, we do the best that we can. Not lackadaisical. For example, let's say somebody signs up for a ministry and they don't show up. Is that the best they can? No. If we're going to do something, we do it. I've seen people walk in. Walking toward the church building, stop, pick up the trash in the parking lot. Yes! It's excellent. Whatever we do, excellent. I've played sports with guys that have not been excellent while playing sports. They love God until they get competitive. Then they, you know what I'm talking about? 
Sorry, I'm just competitive. That's what they say. Sorry, I'm just competitive. No, you're not. You're not being excellent. Being excellent. There's a, there's a, there's a true football story. Some of you remember, some of you old-time football fans remember Gene Stallings. And him and another guy uh, were playing. Uh, they were all pro players. In other words, the best of the best players at their position. And they were playing for the Dallas Cowboys. And they were playing against their arch rivals, the Redskins, the Washington Redskins, Cowboys Redskins, right? Just naturally, they're going to be rivals. And they are rivals, and they were duking it out, and this was years ago. And they're in this game, and it's a hard-fought grinder. They're going back and forth and back and forth. And, back. and it's, it's just a tough game, and guys are getting hurt. It's just a messy, messy game. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? So finally, the game's done, and these two guys go in the locker room, and they're sitting down, and they haven't even take, taken out their uniforms, and they... They're just slumped over at, their, at the benches by their lockers. They're exhausted. This is true. They're exhausted. And one guy looks at the other guy after duking it out and said, what was the score anyway? The key is they were their best. They couldn't guarantee being the best. They could only guarantee being their best. I'm going to have to call him back, Judy, if you could just do that. It better be Jesus. This is, you know, poor audio is going, what's happening here? Well done. When we look at this verse and he says, well done, what he's saying is, excellent. You did the best you could do. Well done. Okay, I can hold on to that moving into this job. I got to do it excellently. Then we move on. Good. Good. Now, this is an interesting statement. In order to break down good, let's look at it in another, in another passage. It's going to seem maybe a little contradictory, but let's look at it. Go ahead, Luke, uh, Dylan. I said Luke. Mark 10. As he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him. This is Jesus. A man, man ran up before Jesus and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. That's an interesting statement he said, isn't it? No one's good except God alone. And Jesus goes, goes on to say, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Jesus, or and the man said back to Jesus, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will, uh, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. Disheartened by the this, by this saying, he went away, this guy went away sorrowful for had great possessions. Here's really what's going on here. And it's really important to think of this, to look at this when we consider the word good. Jesus is saying, look, you call me good, it's the Father that's good, and all that he defines is what's good. So you think, buddy, just because you do these things that you're okay, but really you have to do everything that God wants you to do, and that would also include these other things. It's God's definition of good. Not this guy's definition of good. Are you with me? We can have a whole bunch of people, and you know them, and I know them, and we've worked with them, whether your neighbors or your family members, who say, I'm a good person because I do this, because I work here, I volunteer there, or I help with this. That makes me a good person. In society's definition, it makes you a very good person to do those things. What is God's definition of good? Because God's definition of good is all kinds of stuff. It's our lifestyle of pursuit after him. 
It's how we reach out or how we agape others, how we love others. Really love them. 1 Corinthians 13, love them. God's definition of good, not our definition of good. And come on, how many of you know people who think being good is doing a nice thing, right? There are many dictators who think they're good people. There is still genocide that goes on today, but the dictators who are driving this genocide think that they're still good people. That's their definition of good, and we all think they're crazy. What is God's definition of good? God's definition of good. So when it says, well done, good, be excellent, good, as you've been defined, as, as defined by God, not as defined by us. Now, we do things in this church, we do things in our community, but we do them for the sake of the gospel and to benefit the community too. It's different. What is God's definition of good? All kinds of people will say, oh, he's a good guy. He's good. Look what he does with all his free time. You know, he helps, he helps the homeless. He does, you know, he helps people get jobs. He's, what is God's definition of good? And that requires us to stay in the word and seek the word out. God's definition of good. Be excellent. Well done. Be the best you can be according to God's definition of what's good. Not our definition of good. Let's look at the verse again, Dylan. You can go down to the next one. There we go. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful. Another word for faithful is trustworthy. I want to tell you professional experience I had. So I, I took this job in organizational design, and I had a boss who was um, very shrewd, very sharp, uh, very experienced professional. She left a senior VP job for a large company, a company that you would all know, to come and make a career change. She had made a lot of money, and she just wanted to do something to fill her time. So she stooped herself to, to this level. I'm saying that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but to, to do this job. And she really wanted to coach other people to do what we did. So I learned a lot from her. And one of the things that she used to say is, you know, Jim, there's going to be times where I set up meetings. And since you're leading this group of people, I'm going to set up meetings with you in mind. Uh, uh, but I may not be there. And, or if I'm there, I may be late. So you're, but I expect you to conduct the meeting. I just want you to think of what it is to have somebody set up a meeting for you and you don't know why the meeting is set. Yes. And then know that you're supposed to conduct that meeting with people that you don't always know. There are people, I remember meeting with one lady, my boss set a meeting up with somebody who lived in another state. This lady flew in to talk to my boss, and I had been invited to the meeting, but my boss never came to the meeting. This is somebody from another state who doesn't even know our company. And then there's people in the company, because it's a large company, and we have meetings all across the company. And after a while, I learned if I saw a meeting pop up on my calendar, I had better research the stuffing out of it. And sometimes I could ask my boss about it, but sometimes I couldn't. And it was my job to figure it out before the meeting. So I was fully prepared to speak on my boss's behalf. So not only did I have to know what the meeting was about, I would have to guess correctly <laughs> on what I was supposed to represent for my boss. I learned some tricks. You know, there's things like, and I would, so I would ask, and I really, so why do you think you're here today? <laughs> but I would, I would need to research why we were having this meeting. And I got better at it with time. 
I did. I learned more and more about my boss, and I built protocols and ways to learn what was important to her. But I had to do it. And after some time of working with her for some years, I realized how much she was teaching me about being faithful and trustworthy. Because if I would go to those meetings and say, look, i got to tell you, I don't even know why I bossed through this in the calendar, but here I am, so we got to figure something out. That's not being trustworthy. That's not being faithful to my work assignment or this team or the projects that we've got going on. When we have the Lord, when he's, and he's speaking in this sentence, he's talking about being faithful to him. We have to search out what he cares about. We have to search for what he cares. It, it helps us with good. You know, good is the one thing, by the way, I should say this. Good is the one thing that connects us to him. Could you imagine if this sentence only said, well done, faithful servant? That could speak to any servant, couldn't it? But when it says good in this connection, it's talking about what connects us to the Lord's plans. It's a connector. So when I'm looking at faithful, it's my job, it's, your jo- it's our job to figure out in the word, what does he value? What does he want? If I'm representing him and I'm talking to somebody else, if I'm talking to you or to you or you're talking to me or somebody that doesn't know, what would he want us to say? Or what kind of conduct would he want us to have? So when he says, well done, you're excellent, you know my you know my plans, and you're, you've been faithful to stay with my plans and search out my plans. This is a big deal. The faithful is a big deal. Servant. I struggle with... Oh, by the way, faithful. Let's just look at the rest of this verse. There's something that neat that comes with faithful here. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Being faithful gets us promoted. If we want to see more of God in our life, we have to do what we know to do right today with God in our life. We do this, we'll get more. Want to see the great miracles happen? You want to see things go nutty and wild and super exciting things? We have to do just this, we get more. Do this, we get more. Sometimes people say, I've been doing this for all these years, I don't see any miracles. Really? Do you pray every day? Do you just pray every day? Are you faithful in that? Now, I'm not trying to be macabre or, you know, heavy-handed at this. I'm trying to say, look, if we're just faithful with what we have, if we read the Word, we say faithful, we share of His testimony, we love each other, we just agape each other, we look to build the kingdom, be positive in the kingdom, we'll see more and more and more and more. Spectacular, right? Do you hear those kids running? My dad would have killed me. I'm not picking on parents. I'm saying that I'm just having a flashback to me in church. I remember one time I was allowed to sit by my friends in the front, and I don't know why we thought it was fun to sit in the front because your parents are sitting behind you. They can see everything. We weren't the sharpest kids. So I was sitting in the front, and I was acting up, and I thought in the middle of service I'd go to the bathroom, and guess who was waiting for me in the bathroom? That was a one-time mistake. Every time after that, I sat behind my parents. So, servant. Servant. This is one of the, I have a couple words in the Bible that I personally have a hard time with. As a man, as a human being, I don't know what it is. Servant is one of them. I'll tell you the other one. It's a bit of an aside, but it's the word bride. I'm a man. Come on, men. Bride? You know what I'm talking about? All right, so me and Phil are on the same page. The rest of you guys didn't raise your hand. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. So 
bride. I got to tell you, there's a song we sing at Beth Messiah. I said this at Beth Messiah yesterday. It's a ni le do di vidodi li. I'm my beloved's and he is mine. I don't like to say those words. <laughs> I, just, I just don't. <laughs> so another word is servant. I am an American. As Americans, we are independent. We are an independent nation. We think independently. By the way, that whole bride thing, it's in my, I got to get over that. So I know that. I'm just confessing my sins here. Servant is another word. As Americans, we are independent. We are a can-do-it-ourself kind of group, a country. We are. We know that about us. I'm also a very independent person. I'm just, God made me independent. If we look at a scale of dependence and independence, I'm way, way, way on the other side. Uh, I'm really independent. And I'm a guy. I'm a typical guy. You know, oh, I'll figure it out myself. I don't need directions. Come on now, you know. <clears throat> Servant is one. That's what we are. Paul says we're bought with a price. We're bought with blood. Okay, I'm a servant, so I've got to get my head around that. Let's look at this passage, Dylan. Go ahead. Philippians 2, let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Isn't this great? This is agape here. Come on, we're back in this love thing. Care about each other. Have this mind, caring about each other among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. This old Jesus, if there was anybody who could have come with a loud papow, it would be Jesus. He could say, I'm Jesus. Look at you people. You need me. But he didn't. He came in a very humble way, didn't he? He took on a servant's mindset. Being a servant requires a mindset. Okay, okay, Jesus. It's go time. I'm going to be a servant. And I'm going to stay in this. You know, the last time I spoke, I talked about in, in business, there's a servant leadership model that's out there, and some companies have really taken to that. And all it is, is, is for its biblical principles. The guy who started it, it was a biblical principle. He took it, and he grew it, and he put enough business expressions to it. But it's just being a servant as a leader. If you're a leader, be a servant. Well, we're servants. We're servants. What do you want me to do? Not what do I do anymore, but God, what do you want me to do? Because I have been bought with your blood, Jesus. You as believers have been bought with Jesus' blood. What does he want? What kind of life do we have with him? A wonderful life. So what do you want, Jesus? You bought me, what do you want? This is a great mindset. Do you know what else servants are? Servants are always busy. They don't wait for something to do. They don't wait. Man, I got a lot going on right now. I, I got no time to be a servant. I'm just real busy. I just need to rest up. I'm just so tired from life. I got no time to be a servant. Servants are busy, 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 busy. And they learn how to prioritize and manage their time. Someday, you know, when, when we see this message, when this scripture again, well done, good and faithful servant. If we think of it in terms of be excellent, well done, be excellent. Here we go. Be excellent, doing something with excellence. Whatever we do, do it with excellence. No lackadaisical thing. Good. Our identifier with what God says is good, not what we say it's good. You know, the reality is when we follow God, we just don't match up with the people in the world. 
we just don't quite look like them anymore because we start to define ourselves to what God says is good. If we match up with people in the world, then we're having a really hard time finding God's definition of good. It's really difficult to do both. Sometimes people try, and they try to think they can go down this middle thing, but they don't have enough of God in their life. It's hard to do both. So, well done, being excellent, good, the identifier with God, faithful, long-term proposition. Long-term, are you dependable, are you trustworthy? And servant, taking on that mindset. You know, being in a place to depend on God. You know, in America, we're very blessed. We have all this stuff. We can buy things if we need to buy things. Or we have doctors. We have great doctors. We have all this stuff. It's easy for us not to think of being dependent. But God said, I don't want you to live like that with me. I want you to be dependent on me. Even though you think you have something, you have nothing except what's come through my hands. Be dependent on me. So that's it. That's what I'm doing in my job. I'm focusing on those. In your ministry, I hope you're focusing on those. If you don't have a ministry, well, what's holding you back? Get on in there. Whatever you do in your day, I, I, let's think about that. Let's do it together. This, for me, was really an important piece for me to get my head around. God, how will I know I'm successful with you? I know there's more than just showing up here. If I focus on those four things, if I keep those just four things in mind, I'm okay. If you keep those four things in mind, you're okay. We don't have to overthink it. Sound good? Please stand up. Lord God, we'll, we seek you for the four. We seek you for those four things. Lord, really, it's just about us drawing closer to you. We know it's not just by doing stuff that uh, is going to get us into heaven, but it's our faith and our extension in doing stuff. And we want to do it right. We want to be tabbed with these things. We want to hear those words from you. Well done, good and faithful servant. We want to know that we nailed these four categories. So we pray for us in these ways. We pray for us that we can carry your message of encouragement out, that we can represent your love. God, it's so great what you're doing in this house. It's so great what you're doing in our lives. And we thank you for this, Lord. We really do. I thank you for everybody here. I thank you for drawing us together as family. We're blessed by it. We look to continue to grow with you, Lord. Thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Thank you again for downloading and listening to this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We are located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And if you are looking for a church to call home or would like to visit us for one of our services, please visit our site at gracecf.us for our location and service times. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.